just a disclaimer as well, if uh, you know, Pastor Matt will be back up next week if you uh, don't find my sermon uh, helpful or you dislike me for some reason. Okay. <clears throat> but my job is to bring you the word, and that's what I'll do my best to do. So, uh, again, James 3, 5b through 12, uh, it's titled, Restrain the Tongue. <clears throat> Just a reviewing a bit uh, from James 3 earlier, you know, it's by the tongue, we saw this before, as our religion is demonstrated. Uh, and nowhere is the relationship between faith and works, you know, more evident than a person's speech. We can see that very easy. And if one doesn't stumble in what he says, uh, he is a mature Christian, or a perfect Christian, perfecting himself. Uh, showing he has grown in grace. When the tongue is bridled, as we saw with the horse's bit earlier, when its power is controlled, like maybe with the ship by its rudder, the results are beautiful. Its effects are valuable. There's you know, wisdom and kindness and gentleness and goodness and love flow from a restrained tongue. But when uncontrolled or controlled poorly, the disasters can be enormous. An unrestrained tongue is vile, wicked, Used for selfish ambition, it's quick to lash out. Instead of edifying, it consumes, it blackens, it works ruin, destroying whatever it's in its path, just like the fire, as we see coming. So if you would, if you're able, uh, stand with me as we read the Word of God. We're starting again in, uh, in chapter 3, we're in verse 5b. The Holy Scriptures say, See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on course, or sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and, and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? And can salt water produce fresh? Let's pray. Gracious God, though you are our rock that is immovable and unshakable, you are unchangeable when we find ourselves such uh, so easily wavering and uh, throughout the week and Uh, with trials and difficulties. Oh, Lord, just soften our hearts, get the the pride out of our way that your word may revive us. Just rejoice our hearts, save us, make us wise, enlighten our eyes. Lord, speak through me, this weak vessel, 
In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we're we'll walking you through seven uh, characteristics or elements uh, of the tongue. Starting with one, the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire. I'll go through these a little slowly in case you wanted to write them down. Uh, Two, it's the world of iniquity. It's the world of iniquity. Three, it defiles the whole body. It defiles the whole body. Four, it sets on fire the course of life. It sets on fire the course of life. Five, it's a restless evil. It's a restless evil. Six, it's full of deadly poison. Thank you. Full of deadly poison. And seven, it blesses and curses. It blesses and curses. So one, the tongue is a fire. Looking at uh, end of verse 5 and the beginning of 6. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. Fire has potential. It burns, it damages, it destroys. Fire has heat. Right? One of its characteristics. Which can warm and comfort. Or, on the other side, hurt and injure. An entire forest can be set aflame by a small fire, even a spark. A small fire has a potential to lay waste to almost anything in its path. Lives can be lost, homes and cities destroyed. The actual substance burned cannot be restored. This damage is irreversible. You know, last week, uh, our family was down in, in North Carolina uh, for a conference. And uh, on our way back, we spent some time in, in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Beautiful area. And uh, during this day, we learned, or at least I learned, they may have already known, but uh, there was a fire just one year ago, in November. And uh, basically on all of our excursions around the mountains and around that area, you know, we saw the, uh, uh, the, the evidence and the paths of this destruction that it took. We saw the mountaintops and the trees that were still blackened uh, from the damage, and we, you know, we drove up one mountain kind of accidentally, you know, only switchbacks and didn't know where we were gone. And uh, we drove by this one place that had been absolutely engulfed by flames and just, just brought to nothing. And there were street lamps outside where kind of the fire went around a little bit, and there was just heat lamps just melted. So it was very, very interesting uh, the way it moved around. Uh, one waitress told us about how her neighbor's house was completely engulfed, you know, but hers was spared. Amazing story that we heard. This fire burned 17,000 acres of the Great Smoky Mountains, damaging and destroying or destroying 2,500 structures or houses and killing 14 people. Like the fire, the tongue has significant potential for good or for evil. It can speak warm and comforting words, but when it loses control, its flames rise up, producing angry words, lies, scandals, evil, evil reports, devouring all that comes up in its way. And when its heat intensifies, it is an instrument of wrath and contention. Proverbs 15.4 says, A soothing tongue is a tree of life, 
but perversion in it crushes the spirit. Proverbs 12, 18, There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So restrain your tongue. Two, it's the very world of iniquity. The world, if you think about it, it's full of all kinds of things, plants of all kinds, you know, animals of all kinds, people of all kinds, relationships, oceans, buildings, businesses. We could go on and on. But as is the tongue, I like the example he uses here, as is the tongue full of all kinds of sins and wickedness. Another way to say it, there is, there is a world of sin in our tongue. Uh, using the word world or cosmos, uh, it gives us the sense of the immensity of, uh, the vastness of iniquities which proceed from it. You know, so what? But, well, since it's full of evils, evils will proceed from the neglect of restraining the tongue. And these evils, these sins, defile and corrupt not only yourself or oneself, but the hearer as well. We never want to cause another to stumble or to sin. Luke 17.2 says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble or sin. Restrain your tongue. Three, it defiles the entire body. Looking at uh, the last part of six, or 6B, I'm calling it, uh, the tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire or whole body and sets on fire the course of our life, and is set on fire by hell. So looking at this first part, you know, is the tongue is, or is set, we, or going through this, we, we ask ourselves some questions, or uh, I'll call, let's call this A. Who set? You know, who, who makes the tongue to defile? Us? God? Or the devil? A couple other things here. B, and we'll go through two problems that result from sins, uh, of this member, two problems that result from the sins of this member, and then see, you know, why is our tongue this way? You know, that it defiles our whole body. So looking at first, A, who set? Who makes the tongue to defile? Well, you know, it's certainly not God. Who set or established the tongue to be a wicked world in our members? Especially since, you know, we saw a ways back in chapter 1, 13 through 15 in James, that God is not the author of sin. He is not the author of sin, nor does he tempt. But the person, or ourselves, we are carried away when it's, it's by our own lust that we sin. And we give into that. And that sin gets birth to death. The same verb is, or is set, uh, kathistomy, is used in James 4.4. 4. In uh, in this area, it's makes himself. If we read through this, James four four. You adulteresses, maybe many of you know this verse. Do you not know that the friendship of the world is hostility toward, toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself makes himself an enemy of God. See, the, this places the ball in our court. It is we who establish the tongue as the very world of iniquity. 
we make the tongue a wicked member which defiles the body. This is important because we have no one to blame but ourselves when the tongue is set loose and unrestrained. We need to think about this. In restitution with God and refreshing from God, which we all desire, doesn't occur unless we take ownership of our sin and repent. Then B, two problems that result from sins of this member. Problem one is uh, as that which defiles the entire body. So it defiles. Okay? Defiles means to stain, to pollute, to corrupt. The tongue infects the whole man with sin and guilt. It stains the entire body. As it says in, uh, in James uh, 2.10, For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles or sins in one point, he has been guilty of all. So you think about this, just, just one wild, unrestrained word pollutes the whole man, and he is guilty of all. He has sinned against God, and sin brings forth death. Therefore, needing mercy from God and His saving grace, But the good news is, God demonstrates his own love towards us. That while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Friend, repent of your sins today. He said it's just one word. That could be a sin. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ that you may be saved from God's wrath. Saved from your sins. And believer, our, our goal is an unstained true religion. We've seen this throughout James. A pure religion, continuing to perfect ourselves. Second Corinthians 7.1 uh, says, Let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Restrain your tongue. Problem two, um, which is under the uh, element number four. I don't want the four yet or not. Anyway, follow along somehow. Problem number two, and it sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. So we're looking at the course of our life. What, what does that mean? It sets on fire the course of our life. Uh, so I want to look at several translations of the text to help understand you know, what is meant by this, this phrase or these words. The ASV setteth on fire the wheel of nature. King James Version, setteth on fire the course of nature. The ESV, entire course of nature. NRSV, sets on fire the cycle of nature. Okay, so we have, uh, again, first of all, course of our life, the wheel of nature, the course of nature, entire course of life, which we saw uh, in, in the cycle of nature. Okay. Looking at uh, many commentators on this text, there were two most common explanations. Um, The course or wheel of nature can mean the whole course of one's life. It could be the the range or the span of your life from beginning to the end. Throughout the changing circumstances of your life, the tongue continues to spew forth evils. You know, when young, think about it, we cry. When we're old, maybe we criticize or criticize more. 
and uh, you know throughout the course of life and when we want or when we want something we whine and complain you know or when when we prosper or when our children prosper um, that's we boast of our own works two it could be taken in a sense of a, a generational damage like a circuit of physical effects you know this happens makes this happen makes this happen and so on its effects are far-reaching. I like uh, saw in Richard Baxter in a book a while back uh, about anger. He quotes, Once you have provoked others to anger, you do not know the extent of sin it may lead them to. So think about the one effect towards another. Going, this happens, this happens, this happens. You don't know the extent of the damage that evil... Or, sorry, let me go back. Once, once you have provoked others to anger, you don't know the extent of sin that may lead them to. Okay, you don't, you don't know the extent of the damage that the evil speech may lead your children to, or may lead someone else's children to, or may lead someone else's family to, into sin or stumbling. You know, the, the tongue's potential for damage, because a tongue's potential for damage, like that of a wildfire, it extends... You know, think about that fire. It extends well beyond its point of origin, that small origin, spreading outward and into an ever-widening circle. Restrain your tongue. And back to C, we were looking at ABC under that. You know, why is our tongue this way? That it defiles the whole body. James further describes the tongue as, you know, set on fire by hell. Or in other words, it is hell or the devil which sets the tongue on fire. It is, is the devil who inhabits hell, and he is a liar and a murderer. John 8, 4, uh, 8, 44. And he loves to make others like himself. The tongue is influenced, instigated, and stirred up by Satan to speak many evil things. The, t- uh, the wicked tongue originates in hell. Therefore, we should not only be all the more on guard against it, but to hate it, to abhor the contentious speech, boasting and, and rivalings and gossips and lies. What we must be careful here, though, is, is to not place the blame on the devil. You know, and say, oh, oh, the devil made me do it. You know, maybe, maybe we've said that ourselves. Maybe we hear people saying that, the devil made me do it. No. Realize you made the choice to sin. Adam was tempted by the devil, but he still made the choice to eat the fruit. Uh, moving on in the, the verse 7 here. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. Every kind of animal that crawls, flies, swims, has been brought under the submission of mankind. The mouth of the lion, the king of the beasts, you know, has been tamed. Elephants taught to perform feats of strength. You ever see that on the Nature Channel? Birds of prey trained to hunt. Snakes charmed. Maybe some still bitten, but you know. But man's own tongue, he cannot tame. He cannot bridle it by himself. Because it is a restless evil. So the fifth 
element or characteristic. It is a restless evil. It is restless and an unruly evil. Like an unruly wild animal that continues to break out of its pen. I don't know if everyone's, anyone's seen that before. An, like an unruly animal that continues to break out. Had a cow like that once. And like the spirit of untamable black stallion bucking off its master. So the tongue continues to disobey its master. Its restless, destructive nature needs constant watching and guarding. Thomas Manton comments, I really like this. God has, in the structure of the mouth, made a double barrier of teeth and lips, and through grace laid many restraints upon the tongue, yet it breaks out. A double barrier. Six, it's full of deadly poison. When it's restrained, it's full of deadly poison. The tongue is either restrained, again, full of mercy and good fruits, an edifying tree of life, or it's in an unrestrained state, it spews forth deadly poison, which crusts the spirit. And deadly poison is just that. You know, it's deadly. You know, think about what, is, what does poison do, or what is the purpose of a snake's venom? Its intent is to injure its victim, to paralyze it, to, to destroy you know, and gossip is such a poison. It harms, it injures, it's, it's abusive speech, and has, it just has no place in the life of a Christian. Colossians 3, uh, 8 through 10, tells us, uh, Now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you laid aside the old self, since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Brethren, put aside, put them all aside. The tongue that is abusive, again, has no place in a pure religion. You have been renewed, but put on our new self. Seven, it blesses and curses. Verse nine, with it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. You know, the correct use of our tongue is to bless our Father was our creator, our provider of all earthly and spiritual gifts, the father of lights, our rock in which we stand, our protector and our shield, in whom we take refuge. And how do we bless? You think about, think about this, the means in private prayer we bless. We praise him verbally in conversation, corporally in prayer and singing, like we've done today. And regarding man, we are to bless them as well, even, even those that curse you. That's a hard thing to do. Matthew 5, 44. This is the King James Version. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Again, bless them that curse you. Do good, them that, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. If this is our worst persecution, so be it.
Verse 10, from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. This is the incorrect use. These things ought not be this way. With the same tongue, the same mouth, we curse men made in the likeness of God. To curse means to detest utterly, to imprecate evil upon. It's poison. You know, no, no believer has the right to curse any man, believer or non-believer, especially since he is made in the image of God. One fellow commented, uh, we are to dissuade from slandering and speaking evil of others when we consider that they are made in, the God's, in God's image. And since man is made in likeness of God, when we curse men, we are defacing the image of God. This is to dissuade you, to help, help restrain the tongue. Proverbs 17, 5, you know, he who mocks the poor taunts, reproaches, or blasphemes his maker. To speak evil against men is to wrong the image of God. Our tongue is a member to be used as an instrument or as a weapon for righteousness and not unto sin, Romans 6.13. Brother and sister, you must think, you know, what, what's examine your lives as I examine mine? What's flowing from your tongue? Peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness? Or is it bitterness, disapproval, contempt, anger, dishonor? Or is that you know, on the tip of your tongue ready to uh, devour Maybe when you are instructed, or children, maybe when you are instructed, or maybe when we are rebuked by someone. Is your tongue ready to lash out, or is it love, reproof? Proverbs 9, 8 instructs, Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. And when someone hurts you, or you know, quickly lashing back, are you quickly lashing back as a, as a fool does? You know, or by God's grace, are you keeping your heart and using your tongue rightly? You know, Proverbs 15.2, the tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth of the fool babbles out foolishness. So really, I mean, think about this. Does it, does it really matter when, um, at all when, when someone says something about you that's, that you don't like? Or, or to you. you know, we are we're such in a fickle and, and ridiculous culture where you know, if someone doesn't like our Facebook post, you know, we're offended. You know, or if you, you, we get so many likes, you feel good. You know, our emotions and feelings and circumstances have simply become idolatry, placing too much value on them, hence living day by day. You know, how we feel about something or, or someone instead of having complete reliance on God as our portion and our rock. Just think with me in the, in the grander scheme of things, the bigger picture. If you set your mind more on heavenly things, if, if you could always remember that it is Christ who suffered for your sins and not you, You know, if tomorrow you are standing before the judgment seat of Christ, or what if, what if Christian was stamped on your forehead? Would your tongue offer more humble and holy words? Would your tongue be more holy, literally, more holes in it from biting it? 
verse 11, it does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water. Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Can salt water produce fresh? We see James continue to point, you know, several, several illustrations, the fountain, the fig tree, and the vine. Um, what is first noticeable, at least to me, was this, the parts of, these are part of God's creation. And being of his creation, there's order. So it's absurd to see hypocrisy in nature, one thing working against the other. Or like, you know, the, the fountain or spring, it doesn't pour forth both, um, you know, sweet and bitter water. It either produces a fresh, nourishing, life-giving water, or a salty, you know, uh, briny burden with minerals so much that it's poisonous, making it worthless, or maybe even dangerous, being of no benefit. A fig tree doesn't produce olives, nor a vine produce figs. Here, here's an echo of what uh, Jesus said in Matthew 7, uh, 16 through 18. You will know them by their fruits. Okay, Matthew 7, uh, 16 through 18. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a bad tree produce good fruit. You see, each kind of plant produces its own distinctive fruit. So we must ask ourselves, ask yourself, what kind of plant are you? One that is producing good fruit, refreshing, nourishing, edifying, uh, or, or are you like the tree, firmly, firmly planted you know, by streams of water, which yields the ripened, and uh, this ripened and sweet fruits of righteousness, gentleness, kindness, and mercy? You know, are too often a plant that produces nothing, you know, or a rotten fruit? Let's maybe start thinking of my fruit trees. What's wrong with them? They produce rotten or misshapen, weird fruit and stuff. Getting back to that later. Are there poisons spewing from your tongue that just need cut off? Is there partiality? Demeaning those who are lesser educated, poorer, or unattractive, different looking? And are you boasting because God has revealed more truth to you? You know, then to others, are you prideful of your reformed faith? Are you speaking of things not proper to mention? These things ought not be this way. It's not good fruit. Continue Matthew 7, uh, 19-20. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Again, what is your fruit revealing about you? What is your fruit revealing about your heart? You see, your, your heart is the deep, the deep well from which your fountain flows. Your heart is the, the source of the sweet, nourishing water or the bitter, briny tongue. Your heart, it, it's the roots that produce either the sweet, ripened fruit or the bitter, rotten fruit. But it boils down to this. I must ask myself. You must ask yourself. What, what is the heart's source of nourishment? What is your heart's source of nourishment? What is feeding your roots? The word or the world? God's word or the world? 
The believer's source is the word of God. It is our nourishment. He is continuously watered and fed by the word. He intently looks into the word, as James said earlier in 125. He intently looks into it, pondering it, meditating on it, spending time. We heard through Matt uh, last week in Psalm 1. His delight, his delight, our delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So, brethren, we must ask, where is your delight, word or world? What are you feeding on? That This is a serious matter. You know, why? Because, one, uh, back in one, I think chapter 1, verse 26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious, and yet does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. I don't believe any of us want a worthless religion. Two, the gate is narrow. Matthew seven twenty one. moving on through that as well. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in, who is in heaven will enter. He who does the will of my Father will enter. Doing the will of our Father is obeying the word. How do we know what to obey, uh, to obey it if we don't aren't in the Word? Oh, we fall so short of His commandments. How short I fall. We are so fickle in our behaviors. Oh, how easily we waver. Our sins are many. But God is never changing. He is always faithful. He is forgiving. He is merciful, and he is always just. Let us repent, turn from your sins, and turn to God. Say, resolve before you leave here. Bridle your tongue. Make some type of resolution. David in Psalm 19, let the words of my mouth and meditation in my heart be acceptable in your sight. Maybe you need to write this on your forehead or something. Your hand, I don't know. Sometimes I wish I could put a tattoo in my hand. Resolve to feed more on the holy word of God that revives the soul, that rejoices the heart, and enlightens the eyes. Get up 15 minutes earlier. Go to bed 15 minutes later. Just do whatever it takes. Pray for God. I mean, in our prayers, pray for God to make it more desirable than gold and sweeter than any delight of this world. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, how, uh, how we neglect your word. How just fickle we are and unwavering and uh, just trying to seek pleasures of this world and, and just too much dependence on things of this world, and we forget that we must set our hearts and minds on heavenly things and forget what Christ has suffered for our sins. Oh, Lord, just, again, 
soften our hearts? Help us to be in your, more, your word more and more and more and to delight in it more and more, continually weaning us off the things of this world. Oh Lord, we just so look forward to the day that we can be with you, we can see your face, your holiness. Father, help us from this week, from now, just resolve to tame our tongue, the untamable tongue, but we know we can do it with your grace. Mature us and perfect us. In Christ's precious name, amen.